This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome <laughs> to the Sick Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. And uh, thank you so much uh, for consuming us. We appreciate that here on YouTube. Make sure you click the like and the share button. Send us a message. We'll try to get back to you on that as well. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm great. We're yeah. getting into uh, December, the heart of December, and these games sure. really start to get ratcheted up the importance. And let's jump right into it. I, I, I saw a lot out of Buffalo last week that I didn't know that they had in going into Kansas City. So much is being made of Mahomes and the, the call and the sure. penalty and all the sure. controversy. I think what was kind of lost in all that was, hey, Buffalo showed showed something. Yeah, um, th- no question about it. And I think that, you know, elite-level defensive ability, I don't think there's any question about that. So I think that's big time. I think, obviously, Josh Allen and their offense, they've got unbelievable weapons. And, and all those things are true. Uh, now, they may have played themselves in such a hole that even if they win out um, – they still may be in trouble in regards to tiebreakers and everything else. And and you've got to believe, I mean, they've got Dallas this weekend. So, I mean, that's going to be a really tough matchup, albeit in Buffalo. If they win that game, then I think that changes. If they win out, I think they're in. But if they go 3-1 and one down the stretch, then there are two or three other teams that if they have the same record at 10-7, and seven, that I think they'll lose out in tiebreakers too. So, I think for Buffalo... Good that they played that way against Kansas City, but I believe that they have to win out um, to to be a playoff team. I, I really think, and they may have played themselves in that hole. And we're talking tiebreakers or head to head competition. We're talking about the uh, you know the conference champion or the conference record and all those things. Well, they finish up home against Dallas uh, at the Chargers. Chargers are done. Yeah. Uh, home against the Patriots, and then at Miami, and I guess maybe it would come down to does Miami have something to play for? Exactly. Are they playing for home field advantage? I mean, and, and let's face it, Miami had a fourteen point lead going late into the fourth quarter last week, and ended up coughing that thing up and uh, losing to a Tennessee Titans team that is that's playing a rookie quarterback and is challenged. So, um, yeah, everybody is flawed as a drug, as a drugstore diamond. When you talk AFC, I mean, I think probably right now the team that you would look at and say, man, that's the one team in the AFC, you know, that 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 feels like they they've got the most staying power. That feels like they're the 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 toughest team is Baltimore. Yeah, they're quarterback yeah. by a guy that has a checkered playoff, playoff history, record. right? Yeah, but down the stretch, you feel like you feel like Baltimore is the leader in the clubhouse. And then everybody else is kind of a muddled mess. So Dallas and Buffalo is kind of fascinating to me because you're – are you showing more faith in Dallas than I thought you would? Dallas going on the road to Buffalo in December? You seem to yeah. kind of trust Dallas in this environment, this game. I just trust I, – I think Dallas is a good team. I think they're a really good team. And I think they're feeling 
like they're feeling very confident in what they are and who they are. And when you play Philadelphia and you throttle Philadelphia, even though you're at home, when you match them like physicality for physicality and you end up winning that battle, because I know that Dallas is very skilled. I know their receiving core very skilled. You know, CeeDee Lamb and the rest of those, very skilled. They're tight end, very, very skilled. I know their running back right now is very skilled. But they dominate a line of scrimmage. And that's always impressive to me. And then defensively, Dallas is a dominant defensive football team at all three levels. They have that ability. And they've honestly got, and I think he takes the mantle, the best defensive player in football. So I was talking to a head coach, this is two weeks ago, talking to a head coach that reached out to another head coach, right, and said, hey, we're getting ready to play the Cowboys. You know, little scouting report, if you will. Because these coaches, you know, they they develop friendships and everything else. Mm-hmm. And this particular head coach said, in regards to the Dallas Cowboys defense and in regards to Micah Parson, however good you think he is on film, times it by 10. Like, that's how dominant a player he is on the football field and how many different things he does. Because think about it, Mike. He'll line up defensive end. He'll line up like a stand-up defensive tackle. He'll be at the linebacker position. He can drop back in coverage. Like, there's nothing that he can't do and that he can't do exceptionally well. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think that if he lined up at defensive end or edge player on a consistent basis, he'd lead the league in sacks. Right, he's just so good, and then you you couple that with guys like Demarcus Lawrence and Odigizuwa and some of the other guys they have. They've got players, man. They have got big time players. So you're not swayed at all. You're not concerned at all about the 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 road record, three and three on the road, and in their three losses, they gave up 28, 42, and twenty eight points. And these next two weeks, they're going to Buffalo and Miami. Don't isn't I? I thought you might want to. Pump the brakes on the Cowboys until maybe you saw what they did these next two games no, on the I, road. I, I think we're, the way they're playing right now and the confidence with which they're playing, um, I think they have gained in confidence and gained in understanding of who they are. Like I think one of the one of the great things that really good coaches do is they establish their strengths and then they lean hard into those strengths. And you know that, and that's what I always talk about when it comes to identity. I need to have an identity in what I do, and my players need to be able to rely on it. And you know, over the course of years, as you know, you know, I, I'll consult with some teams, and and you know, in the off season, I'll travel out and sit down for three days, and you know, go over film, and and you know, and I've done this with with several different teams. Um, and one of the things that I've always impressed upon them. Whether it was you know with whether it was Joe Gibbs or or Mike Shanahan, one of the things that was very comforting to me as a player is I knew what we were on second down and one. I knew we're not a shot team, we're a conversion team, and I knew what plays were going to get called. So I knew in the huddle when we got into one of those situations, third down and one, second down and one, whatever the case was, I knew. You know, there's three plays coming into the huddle. And to me, it was part of it was those plays I could run in my sleep, regardless of what you show me on defense. It doesn't matter 
what the front is, I know how to block it. So there will never be a situation where there's confusion. I'll never be confused. I will always know what my responsibility is and how I'm going to get that done. So there's comfort in understanding that and having that reliability of, I know that I'll out-execute you regardless of what you do as a defense. I'm going to out-execute you. So there's that part of it. And then the second part of that, Mike, is you're showing me as a coaching staff that you have confidence in me, in me as a player. And that's empowering. Because now all of a sudden, like, there is not one coach who's going to make a play this weekend. They're going to stand around their ass off all weekend long. That's what they do. They're coaches. So they're not going to make a tackle. They're not going to throw a block. They're not going to have a nice run. They're not going to have a nice throw. Nope. It's not what they do. They call plays. And ultimately, it's you as a coach empowering me as a player to believe in myself by you believing in me. Does that make sense? Like that? Sure. And for me, that was empowering. Like it's second down and one, man. I know you're running right up my ass. So I got to do my job because the whole team counts on, like every guy on this offense knows. And the guys on the defensive side, they know they were running, they're going to run left. That's what they do. Let's go. I love that. Baltimore and Jacksonville, good AFC matchup, two division leaders. We were just talking about Baltimore a second ago. Mm-hmm. What what do you see in the Ravens, in Lamar Jackson, that would, would make you feel confident that he and they are poised to do something in the playoffs that they haven't done yet? I think their passing game um, is much better, and it's not reliant upon it's not relying upon running the ball so well that you're going to get the look you want. So I think one of the big things about coaching is getting reliable looks from the defense. So your job is to say, hey, listen, I'm going to get in this formation and I know, or this personnel group, Mike, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt we're going to get one of like we're going to get one defense or we're going to get one of two defenses, right? We're going to get one front. We're going to get – I know we're going to get this. So part of your job as a coach is the reliability in saying, I'm going to get it to this, and I know they're going to give me this. So there's very little deviation on the defensive side of the ball. So what we practice is going to be true in every situation. I think what they have done, though, in their passing game under Todd Munkin, I think it's Todd Munkin that's their offensive coordinator now, is they have increased their ability to throw the ball. They've gotten more weapons. Odell Beckham Jr. is there. Flowers is there uh, as a rookie. Like, they've gotten more weapons there. But they don't have to have every look be reliable to have opportunities in their passing game. Mm Mm-hmm. So where it used to be is like, hey, man, we're going to get into some heavy formations. We're going to run the crap out of the ball. We're going to set up our run action stuff. And we know you're going to get into single high safety. You're going to have an eight-man box. So I know I have access on the outside one-on-ones. And when it comes to one-on-one throws, I don't have to layer the ball. I can just throw the – like I, I don't have to be as talented as if I get a bunch of zone stuff. Right. And and now I gotta throw one over a linebacker in front of a safety and a, you know, I've got to be able to layer the football and I gotta have a little bit more touch to my game. I think they have increased their ability to not only 
dominate against zone in the passing game, but also get that one-on-one matchup that they love because Lamar cuts people up in that. I think he has in- increased his ability as a quarterback based upon what they've done this year. I'm not saying losing Mark Andrews is a good thing, but is is there a silver lining in it in that it sort of forced yeah. Lamar in this offense to sure, expand? To ex- yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in football, and that always hurts, especially in critical situations because – in critical situations, you're still going to get to the point where you're like, hey, man, where's my best matchup? Well, it's that guy. Okay, how am I going to get him the wall? And and oftentimes, even if he's double covered, you're like, he's double covered, he's still open. Like, I'm just going to fit the ball into him. Um, but, yeah, I think there is uh, – there is. I think in life in general, you know, there is benefit to when you get your security blanket taken away. He, because you either do one of two things. You either you – either, you know – curl up in the fetal position like a millennial or <laughs> you love taking your you love taking millennial shots whenever you can so either in that case you're not a conversion yeah, guy you're yeah, a shot guy yeah yeah you gotta you gotta either curl up in the fetal position like a millennial or or when you're okay boomer or when your binky gets taken away you grow binky, right yeah right, if your right. binky gets taken away you either grow or you uh-huh. curl up when did and, your favorite blanket get taken away from you as a kid? <laughs> Kicking what, and screaming. What's that? Did you have a favorite blanket? Your binky? Did your binky get taken away from you? Mike, come on. Huh? Come on. Uh, 10, 12? What, how old were you? Yeah. <laughs> when I got kicked out of my parents' bed at 13? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I did have a blanket. Yeah. I had a teddy bear. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I was a sensitive guy. Yeah, I, I was know. A sensitive you still little, you still are a sensitive, I was a sensitive guy. Behind all fella. those muscles is a sensitive guy. So what do you think of my alarm t shirt, by the way? Dude, you're looking yoked. I am I'm freaking you're looking, I'm ridiculous. You're I, looking ridiculously yoked. I am so big right now. This is my alarm my buddy, my one of my buddies from college, one of my vandals sent me this. I just got it yesterday. That looks yeah. It, I love the alarm. You look yoked. Mike Peters and the alarm. You look Shout yoked. out to you guys. Um Jacksonville. Who's Jacksonville? That's a great question. Who, Who is, is Jacksonville? Jacksonville? Um, that's a great question. It's a, I mean, it's a, a really good question. They are, like everybody else, they're a team that uh, can hang 40 on you and make you look foolish or can roll over and get beaten by anybody. And they're, I mean, they are what their record says they are. They're 8-5. and five. I think they're a good team, Mike. I think they're a really good team, but I don't think they're a great team. And I don't think there are many great – in the AFC, as a matter of fact, I don't think there is a great team. I think there's any one of these teams can beat any of the any of the teams in the AFC and can lose to any of the teams in the AFC. I don't think there's much difference. I don't think there's a real differentiator between Jacksonville and Indianapolis or Jacksonville and, you know, and, and Miami or – I mean, if Miami can go into Tennessee – it wasn't Tennessee, no, it was, was it? it was in Miami. Oh, it was in Miami. Miami can play Tennessee at home and lose a 14-point lead in the last three minutes of the game or whatever it is, four minutes of the game, yep. then um, then any of these teams can beat any other team. It feels like the NFC's top-heavy teams, they're, they're, they're heavier than the AFC, right? Well, I don't the think there's— NFC's better at the top than the yeah. AFC is better at the top. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any question that the strongest rosters— 
And this goes this goes to roster building. You know, everybody is so enamored with the quarterback position. We just need one quarterback, and the quarterback's going to change our lives. And blah 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 blah. Like, how many championships did did has Buffalo won? You know, I mean, and now I understand the Kansas City argument, right? That Patrick Mahomes is the boogeyman, but look what happens when the rest of the team offensively isn't quite what it used to be. Mm-hmm. They're an eight and five team, whining about an offsides penalty. Like crying like a bunch of biatches about or got line up on sides. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. By the way, on that, and we probably talked about this already, but I've been in a lot of games where the officials said, Hey, 69, scoot up on the ball, get up on the ball, yeah. right? I'm giving you a warning. And if you're too dumb to check down the line of scrimmage, and I'm sure there was a warning or two before that point, because that's just how the officials do it. Hey, back up, back up, right? Hey, get up on the ball, whatever. And and eventually you just go, I'm not going to continue to tell this guy how to play the game. He has to know. There's Andy a reason. Reed said Tony didn't didn't check with he, the official prior He didn't, prior check. To the he didn't play. even look. No. He didn't, all you got to do in, is look down and they'll in, go like this. It. I'm in and then, yeah. Yeah, there were, there were plenty of guys in that same game that looked at the official go, am I good, am I good? You could see him going, am I good? The official go like this. He'll go, hey, back up a little bit. Yeah. Or get up on the ball a little bit, whatever the case may be. But he he didn't do that. There's a reason that that guy is as talented as he is. That dumbass has been on two teams now. Why? Because attention to detail. It costs you games. That cost him. That cost the Kansas City Chiefs a game. Just like, you know, in game one when the ball went right through his hands and it's a pick six to Brian Branch. Like that stuff costs you games, especially in a league where. The, the talent differentiator is next to nil. It's razor thin. You've got to have you got to be on point on everything mm-hmm. you do. Dumb guys get you fired. It just is and, and like it that sounds terrible because I don't know him, right? But that's dumb. I was happy to see uh, Patrick Mahomes come out and apologize for his behavior. I was happy to see him lose. Well, I know you were Denver Bronco, Kansas City Chiefs, right. but but yeah. but I I I think I I I don't have anything against Patrick Mahomes. I think he's one of the more likable superstars like out him. there. It I makes like me, him. It, it, I like him. That for me is like eating a turd sandwich. I know it is. I'm but full because I, I eat the turd sandwich, but it tasted like shit. Right, right. So that's like Matt. I like Patrick Mahomes, and that goes against all things holy for me. And I like him, too. And I think a lot yeah. of people like Patrick Mahomes. And to see him act like a petulant child after the game was kind of like, oh, man, Patrick, I don't I don't, I don't, don't like that side it's of you. kind of oddly, at first it was oddly satisfying, right? Yes. 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 There was part of me that found it very satisfying. Yeah. But there was also the part of me that was like, come on, dude. Right. You know, show a little bit more class. Especially and I was, when you're talking to Josh Allen. Exactly. And you're whining about a call. Right. Right, right, right. So the fact that he came out and apologized, and specifically apologized to to Josh, I thought was was the classy thing to do. Yeah, no, I think kind of restored my hope. Right, I think I think so, and I think part of that was the the boiling over of all the, you know, all the lack of attention to detail that they have kind of fought through all season long with the lead the league in drops and everything else. So I think there was part of that as well, Mike, that uh, led to that. You want to take this opportunity to uh, check in with your favorite fan base, the Philadelphia Eagles. Is this the get-right game for Philly? Having lost two in a row, they go to Seattle. I know. And the wheels have come off in Seattle. Man. Lost four in a row, five of their last six. You know, I uh, I do a, a segment in Seattle every week 
with uh, my former teammate Dave Wyman in Seattle, and he played some sound for me about, you know, about some Seattle reporter asking Pete Carroll, do you, do you think your defense, like, do you think your message has gone stale type of thing? Like that, was the, like, that was the genesis of the yeah. question. And they just played the answer, Pete. He goes, I don't know, you got to ask them, next question. That was the whole thing. And I was like, Pete Carroll's pissed. You know, and you think Pete Carroll is your avuncular, you know, oh, it's Pete Carroll. He's always jogging around and chewing gum. (laughs) Right. But I I will tell you that, and I love Pete. I love Pete Carroll. I did, you know, I did a preseason game, hanging out with Pete in the facility and everything in the gym. And uh, (laughs) like, I have walked out of meetings with Pete Carroll, like, like it's like a, Scene from Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? Like, like that's how I felt. And then I've walked out of a meeting with Pete Carroll, you know, a production meeting with Fox, and going, Pete Carroll doesn't know who I am. He like he does not know my name. <laughs> like, like it, it's just like when he's on a tangent about something or on like he can't get off it, right? right. And um, just that soundbite in general, you can hear the frustration and the disappointment in his voice. Like, man. For whatever reason, it's not getting through to my players, and we should not be in this position. There's part of me that feels like, you know, it's like back a wounded animal into a corner and, and be careful because that, that thing's going to come out hunting. Now, it is a Seahawk. I don't know how vicious Seahawks are. It'll poke your eyes out. Hey! Right? Hey! Oh, no, that's not a Seahawk. No, it's right more there. like a call. Ah! Yeah, 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 very, very shrill. Very yeah, shrill. very shrill sound yeah. the Seahawk makes. Uh, look, you want to play a little game? Yes, I do. Uh, you love games. I do love games. You love games too, people. Um, tell me if this coach's message has gotten stale, and that's why it might be time for a change. Okay. Okay. Pete Carroll. No. Mike Tomlin. It's Mike Tomlin, man. No, he doesn't have a quarterback. He's playing Mitchell Drabisky. No. No. Bill Belichick. Maybe a little bit. Maybe little a little bit? bit. Maybe a little bit with Mike. To- with Tomlin. A little bit. Maybe a little bit with both. I'm going to give it like a scale of one to ten. Like a pie. Like yeah. a stale pie. How much, how much, how much stale pie are you going to cut off here? I'm going to like each of those guys, there's a slice of pie that is just really stale. Okay. Small pie. Yeah, it's a it's like it's like a like if you how many like good wedges and a a regular pie. Regular pie probably about eight wedges. Yeah, I'll say eight wedges. One wedge of the eight is gotten stale. Okay. Bill Belichick's pie. Bill Belichick's pie is about seven of the eight wedges (laughs) are stale. Yeah. It's time. It's It's time. time. It's time. I think he's I think the report is is he's going to step down. As the head coach of the mutual New parting of the ways, yeah, mutual parting of the ways, which means where will he go? Um, so you got that, you got, um, you know, Chargers, Justin Chargers Herbert. Would I be, mean, Chargers would be intriguing, like, Chargers are that super, super talented team that. Let's just say they're soft, they're they're they've. Physically, they're soft, and mentally, they're they're soft. And a little hard nosed coaching might be exactly what the doctor ordered. Okay, here's maybe there's the key distinction to make right there. Do you think Bill Belichick has lost his coaching fastball? Um, 
No, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Has I, the game kind of passed him by a little bit? No, I don't think the game has passed him by at all. I think that he is so used to being able to coach a certain way, and he hasn't established that with enough of the new players that have come in. Like, there used to be a time where he could dog-cuss Tom Brady in front of the football team, and then everybody had to fall in line. Mm-hmm. Or dog-cuss a team captain on the defensive side, a Teddy Bruschi, and everybody else has to fall in line. Because you're like, hey, man, if he does it to him, then it's Wolf or whoever. Like, i got to fall in line with this this stuff. Do you have that kind of cachet? Do you have that kind of clout with today's player? You're probably going to have to. You can still hold everybody accountable and do all that stuff, but not. You, you're going to have to be, you know, develop a relationship where you've got that. You've got permission to coach. And I wonder if Justin Herbert would be a guy that would say, "Yeah, I'll give you permission to coach me that way." So you're implying that Bill would have to kind of change his ways. I think a little today, bit. I think, today's I think, player. I think a little bit, yes. Yeah. I, I I don't think there's any question that today's player does not like they're they don't adhere to that same style of coaching that you know that Bill has been renowned for for decades. What about, what about New England? What direction should they go in? Because you I've I've seen that uh Gerard Mayo is the Coach in waiting, mm-hmm. you know, former player. Right. Do they need to clean break away from I think the you, Belichick tree? I think you got to get away from it. Totally. Completely go the opposite direction. Um and and I just think that I just think there are so many Belichickian things that would go on if you hired a Belichick disciple. You know, if you hired you know, Matt Patricia to take over or Joe Judge to take over or, or Gerard Mayo to take over or Josh McDaniels to take over. Or, or I just think that a clean sweep, you know, like get rid of everybody, sweep the corners and start over again and give that new coach discretion to hire his staff. And there, there are no there are no ties to the past here. We're going to start afresh. And I think that's what Robert Kraft probably needs to do. Uh, last a big game uh, that I know is of uh, a lot of interest to our viewers, the Broncos at Detroit. Yeah. And you've called Detroit games the last couple of weeks. We're going to be doing our Detroit-Chicago Leftovers podcast here. Yes. As well that people could check out. But um, kind of an intriguing game. There's a there's a growing sense in, in Denver that, that the expectation now is that this team's going to finish the season 3-1, Ten and seven overall, be a playoff team and be a dangerous out in the yeah. playoffs. Do you share yeah. that sentiment? It's one of the reasons I think that uh, that Sean Payton is a front runner for coach of the year, and the defensive coordinator in uh, Vance Joseph is a is is honestly um, an assistant coach of the year candidate and should be. Um, the turnaround they've had from one and five to be where they are right now at seven and six. Um, the style with which they play, like, I think it takes a lot for a coach to go, Hey man, I'd like to be able to do, um, a, B and C, but we're not very good at a, B and C. So we're going to stick with it X, Y, and Z. Like there's, there's a lot of coaches that have too much ego or pride to do that. And this is 
you know, where Sean Payton, I think, sets himself apart. What do my players do the best, and how can I put them in a position to succeed? And when you look at them on the offensive side of the ball, Mike, what do they do? They Even though they're running at three-point whatever yards per carry, they're not – I mean, they're not a great average team. They're consistent running the football. Then they get to the edges with their swing pass game, with their screen game – getting into either a back's hand or a wide receiver's hand. And then occasionally they'll take a couple of shots downfield off of play pass, not off of dropback stuff, but off of play pass stuff, meaning, man, I'm going to flag the ball out there. I'm going to show that run. I'm going to take a deep drop, seven-step drop, but I'm going to be 11 and a half yards back. I'm going to keep two tight ends in. The running back that I hand the ball to is going to filter to the opposite side to help that tackle and then we're going to have double teams across the board. So we're going to have an eight-man protection, a two-man route. Maybe that back after he chips, he leaks out or whatever. But the bottom line is we're running, you know, a post over or we're running, um, you know, an over return with a post on the other side. Like whatever the route combination is, it's, it's like two or three things that you run out of that, right? Um, I think like that's their formula for success. And what that's done for the defense is it's allowed the defense to maintain its aggressiveness. You know, so there's a lot of people that are out there they go, well, they can't rely on they can't rely on all these uh, you know, these turnovers. Oh, they can't? Well, if you've got a 10-minute advantage in time of possession, the opposite team sits there and goes, "How many we're only getting four possessions." Like, shoot, we got to abandon the run. Like, what's your number one priority as a defense? Stop the run and make them one-dimensional. People say that all the time, right? Well, if you possess the ball, Enough, you'll stop the run without your defense actually stopping it. Because the offensive coordinator on the other side will go, we can't afford to do this anymore. we got to throw the football. They panic. Right. And what happens when you're throw the when you constantly throwing the – you panic and you're constantly throwing the football? Well, now we can just bring heat. We can bring the blitz on any down we want. We can get you behind the chains. And then what are you doing? Well, we're fighting for first downs, right? My wide receiver is fighting for first down. They're, the, the way the hierarchy of fumbling – Okay, goes quarterbacks the number one fumbler on any football team. You know who number two is wide receivers. Number three is the running backs. Last O line, they never hardly ever fumble. These guys are incredible. You guys are just just an unbelievable just, just skill. Ball skills. The ball, ball skills, skills of offensive ball linemen. handling. When was the last time you saw an offensive lineman fumble? They don't. You're right. Most they reliable don't. guy on the field. Yeah, right. Give him the ball. Great hands. Give him the ball. These guys never fumble. <laughs> Time now for our picks. Yeah. Both of oh. us coming off big 3-0 and weeks. Uh-huh. Big Mo uh, at the at the back of both of us. Ours uh, backs. I get to go first. I'm going to take uh, Cincinnati. Jake Browning. Uh-huh. I'm all aboard uh-huh. the Jake Browning right. bandwagon. I'm going to take Cincinnati minus 3.5 over Minnesota. I'm going to take uh, Indianapolis minus 2.5 over the Reeling Steelers. And I'm going to take Tennessee, uh, like what I saw. Saw the fight from the Titans. I'm going to take the time. Okay. And Will Levis, yoked Will Levis, yeah, yes. uh, minus two and a half over Houston. I like it. I like it. Uh, who do you I have, got? You have. Uh, okay, let me see, because this is really, scientific. you know, I I mean, I, I spent. And I, by the way, I got a commanding lead on you right yeah, now. Yeah, half game. Commanding half game lead. Uh, all right, so I am going with the Rams minus seven over Washington. Washington leads the league in uh, big plays given up. I think the Rams are taking advantage of that. I've got uh, Baltimore three and a half over Jacksonville in Jacksonville. And then I've got San Francisco, although they'll play Arizona will play them tight. Um, 
but type meaning like by 17 or so. Uh-huh. That I've got San Francisco minus 13 and a half. It's a big spread, but I've got none. But it's the Shanahan's. It's the Shanahan's. I mean, of course, of course they're going to win that game. By 14, at least. <laughs> so, uh, I'm 3-0. I feel like you're probably... I think you're a pretty good two week. 2-1. I think you're 2-1, two two and one, so yeah. I expand my commanding lead on you. Game and a half. Yeah, yeah. game and a half. Right, Insurmountable we'll, at this point. We'll see. You can't come back from a game and a half. We'll see. Yeah. Anyhow, for everybody involved in the Sneaky Truth Podcast, we thank you so much for listening. By the way, um, make sure you tune in also for the leftovers. If you're a Chicago fan, you definitely want to hear this. And if you're a Detroit fan, because I did the game last week, uh, Detroit at Chicago. So stay tuned. Listen to that as well. Uh, for everybody involved, we thank you so much. And we'll be back with you later on next week.